Chapter 7 of For Love and Life, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Yoganan. For Love and Life, Volume 2 by Margaret O. Oliphant. Chapter 7. No Encouragement. You must not take any more trouble with me, said Margaret. My brother will come up for me. It'll be quite pleasant to walk down in the gloaming. I mean, with a slight blush over a vernacular in the twilight before it is quite dark. Oh, pray don't give up those pretty scotch words, said Lady Mary. Gloaming is sweeter than twilight. Do you know I am so fond of scotch, the accent as well as the words? Margaret replied only by a dubious smile. She would rather have been complimented on her English and as she could not make any reply to her patroness enthusiasm, she continued what she was saying. Charles wishes to call and tell you how much is gratified by your kindness, and the walk will be pleasant. You must not let me give you more trouble. No trouble, said Lady Mary, but you shall have the close carriage, which will be better for you than Harry and the ponies. I hope he did not frighten you in the morning. I don't think I could give him a character as coachman. He all but upset me the other night when we left your house, to be sure, I had been aggravating, eh, Harry? She said, looking wickedly at him. It was very good of you to let me have my talk out with the professor. Ladies will so seldom understand that business goes before pleasure. And I hope you will do as he asked and come to the lecture tomorrow. I am not very understanding about lecture, said Margaret. Are not you? You look very understanding about everything, said Lady Mary. She too, as well as Harry, had fallen in love with the doctor's sister. The effect was not perhaps so sudden but Lady Mary was a woman of warm sympathies and sudden likings, and after a few hours in Margaret's society, she had quite yielded to her charm. She found it pleasant to look at so pretty a creature, pleasant to meet her interested look, her intelligent attention. There could not be a better listener or a more delightful disciple. She might not perhaps know a great deal herself, but then she was so willing to adopt your views, or at least to be enlightened by them. Lady Mary sat by and looked at her after the promenade round the conservatories with all a woman's admiration for beauty of the kind which women love. This, as all the world knows, is not every type, but Margaret's drooping shadowy figure, her pathetic eyes, a soft paleness and gentle deferential manner were all of the kind that women admire. Lady Mary fell in love with the stranger. They were all three seated in the conservatory in the warm soft atmosphere under the palm tree, and the evening was beginning to fall. The great fire in the drawing-room shone out like a red star in the distance through all the drooping greenness of the plants, and they began half to lose sight of each other, shadowed as this favourite spot was, by the great fan branches of the palm. I think there never was such delightful luxury as this, said Margaret softly. Italy must be like it, or some of the warm islands in the sea. In the South Sea? said Lady Mary, smiling. Perhaps... But both the South Seas and Italy are home of indolence, and I try all I can to keep that at arm's length. But I assure you, her heart-strong was not so poetical. He gave me several hints about the management of the heat. Do come tomorrow and hear him, my dear Mrs. Smith. Botany is wonderfully interesting. Many people think it a dilettante young lady like science, but I believe in the hands of a competent professor, it is something very different. Do let me interest you in my scheme. You know... I am sure and must feel how little means of education there are, and as little Sibi will soon be craving for instruction like my child, 
I suppose there is no good school for little girls here, said Margaret timidly. Her tact told her that schools for little girls were not in question, but she did not know what else to say. Oh, said Lady Mary, with momentary annoyance. For mere reading and writing? Yes, I believe there is one. But it is the higher instruction I mean, she added, recovering herself. Probably you have not had your attention directed to it. And to be sure, in Scotland, the standard is so much higher and education so much more general. Margaret had the good sense to make no reply. She had herself received a solid education at Parish School of Lockerock, along with all the ploughboys and milkmaids of the district, and had been trained into English literature and the shorter catechism in what was then considered a very satisfactory way. No doubt she was so much better instructed than her patroness that Lady Mary scarcely knew what the shorter catechism was. But Margaret was not proud of this training, though she was aware that the parochial system had long been a credit to Scotland and would much rather have been able to say that she was educated Miss So-and-So's seminary for young ladies. As she could not claim any such alma mater, she held her tongue and listened devoutly and with every mark of interest while Lady Mary's scheme was propounded to her. Though, however, she was extremely attentive, she did not commit herself by any promise, not knowing how far her Lockerock scholarship would carry her in comparison with the young ladies of Harbour Green. She consented only conditionally to become one of Lady Mary's band of disciples. If I have time, she said, and then Lady Mary, questioning, drew from her a program of her occupations which included the housekeeping, Sibby's lessons and constant attendance when he wanted her upon a brother. I drive with him, said Margaret, for he thinks it is good for my health and then there is always a good deal of sewing. But, said Lady Mary, that is bad political economy. You neglect your mind for the sake of the sewing, when there are many poor creatures to whom, so to speak, the sewing belongs, who have to make their livelihood by working, and whom ladies' amateur performances throw out of bread. Thus the great lady discords the poor doctor's sister, who, but for him, would probably have been one of the said poor creatures. This, however, he did not enter into Lady Mary's mind to conceive. Margaret was overawed by the grandeur of the thought. For the first moment, she could not even laugh covertly within herself at the thought of her own useful sewing being classified as a lady's amateur performance. She was silent, not venturing to say anything for herself, and Lady Mary resumed. I really must have you among my students. Think how much more use you would be to Sibby if you kept up or even extended your own acquirements. Of course, I say all this with difference because I know that in Scotland education is so much more thought of and is made so much more important than it is with us. Oh no, cried Margaret. She could not but laugh now, thinking of the Lockerock School. And after all, the Lockerock School is a point in which Scotland excels England, or did excel a richer neighbour, and the idea of poor Margaret being better educated than the daughter of an English earl moved even a tranquil spirit to laughter. Oh no, you would not think that if you knew, she said, controlling herself with an effort. If it had not been for a prudent sense that it was best not to commit herself, she would have been deeply tempted to have a laugh out and confide the joke to her companions. As it was, however, the suppressed sense of ridicule was enough to make her uncomfortable. I'll try to go, she said gently, changing the immediate theme. After the trouble of the flitting is over, when we have got into our house. Lady Mary fell into the snare. She began to ask about the house and whether they had brought furniture or what they meant to do and entered into all the details with a frank kindness which went to Margaret's heart. During all this conversation, Harry Thornley kept coming and going softly, gliding among the plants, restless but happy. He could not have her to himself any longer. He could not talk to her. And yet, 
she was there and making her way into the heart of at least one of his family while these domestic subjects were discussed and as the evening gradually darkened harry said to himself that he had always been very fond of his aunt and that she was very nice and sympathetic and that to secure her for a friend would be wise in any case it was almost night before dr murray made his appearance and he was confronted with the darkness of the place into which he was assured where he could see nothing but shadows among the plants and against the pale lightness of the glass roofs i am not sure for the moment that he was not half offended by being received in so unceremonious a way he stood stiffly looking about him till lady mary half rose from her seat excuse me for having brought you here she said this is our favorite spot where none but my friends ever come lady mary felt persuaded that she saw even in the dark the puffing out of the chest with which this friendly speech was received for such a pleasant reason one would excuse a much worse place he said with an attempt at ease to the amusement of the great lady who was condescending to him excuse his introduction to a conservatory he should never have it in his power to do so again dr charles then turned to his sister and said margaret we must be going you and the child have troubled her ladyship long enough i am delighted with mrs smith's society and sibby has been a godsend to the children said mary let us go into the drawing room where there are lights and where we can at least see each other i like the gloaming your pretty scotch word but i dare say dr murray thinks us all rather fools sitting like crows in the dark she led the way in taking margaret's arm while margaret with a little thrill of annoyance tried through the imperfect light to throw a warning look at her brother why did he speak so crossly he who was never really cross and why should he say ladyship margaret knew no better than he did and yet instinct kept her from going wrong dr murray entered the drawing room looking at the lady who had preceded him to see what she thought of him with furtive suspicious looks he was very anxious to please lady mary and still more anxious to show himself an accomplished man of the world but he could not so much as enter a room without the subtle sense of inferiority betraying itself harry coming after him thought the man a cad and writhed at the thought but he was not at all a cad he hesitated between the most luxurious chair he could find and the hardest not feeling sure whether it was best to show confidence or humility when he did decide at last he looked round with what seemed a defiant look who can say i have no right to be here poor fellow was written all over his face you have been making acquaintance with your patients i hope there are no severe cases said lady mary no none at all luckily for them or i should not have long answered for their lives he said with an unsteady smile ah you do not like dr frank's mode of treatment neither do i i have disapproved of him most highly sometimes and i assure you said lady mary in a most gracious tone i am so very glad to know that there is someone on the spot who may be trusted whatever happens with one's nursery full of children that question becomes of the greatest importance many an anxious moment i have had and then there was a pause dr murray was unbending less afraid of how people looked at him my cousin mr anshar has not yet come back he said he is occupied with some business in town i am only waiting as i told your sister till he comes as soon as he does so i hope we may see more of you here but in the meantime mrs smith must come to me i hope i shall see a great deal of her and you must spare her for my lectures dr murray you must not let her give herself up too much to her housekeeping and all her thrifty occupations margaret has no occasion to be over thrifty he said looking at her i've always begged her to go into society 
you have not come to that that my sister should be a slave to her housekeeping margaret remember i hope you will not neglect what her ladyship says after the flitting said margaret softly ah yes after a removal we shall then have a room more fit to receive you in he said i hear on all hands that it is a very good house at this moment someone came in to announce the carriage which lady mary had ordered to take a visitor home and here there arose another conflict in dr murray's mind which was best most like what a man of the world would do to drive down with his sister or to walk he was tired and the drive would certainly be the easier but what if they should think it odd the doctor was saved from this dilemma by harry who came unwittingly to the rescue and proposed to walk down the avenue with him harry had not fallen in love with him as with his sister but still he was at that stage when a man is anxious to conciliate everybody belonging to the woman whom he loves and then little sibby was brought down from the nursery clasping closely a doll which had been presented to her by the children in a body with eyes blazing like two stars and red crosses of excitement upon her little cheeks never in all her life before had sibby spent a so happy a day and when she and her mother had been placed in the warm delicious carriage is it wonderful that various dreams floated into margaret's mind as she leant back in a corner and was whirled past those long lines of trees harry had been ready to give her his arm downstairs to put her into the carriage he had whispered with a thrill in his voice may i bring those books tomorrow he had all but brushed her dress with his face bowing over in his solicitude ah how comfortable it would be how delightful to have a house like that a carriage like this admiring soft-mannered people about her all day long and nothing to do but what she pleased to do had she begun to cherish a wish that harry's fancy might not be a temporary one that he might persevere in it and overcome opposition it would be hard to expect from margaret such perfection of goodness as never to allow such a train of thought to enter her mind but at the same time a practical virtue stood all her souls she would never encourage him this she vowed over again though with a sensation almost of hope and a wish unexpressed in her heart for ah what a difference there is between being poor and being rich between lady mary in the great house and margaret murray or smith in mrs slim's lodging and if you went to the root of the matter the one woman was as good as the other as well adapted to ornament or station as old fashioned people used to say i think on the whole it was greatly to margaret's credit seeing that so much was at stake that she never wavered in her determination to give harry no encouragement but she meant to put no barrier definitively in his way no obstacle insuperable she was willing enough to be the reward of his exertions should he be successful in the list and lady mary's kindness nay affectionateness towards her seemed to point to a successful issue of the struggle if harry went into it with perseverance and vigor she could not help being a little excited by the thought lady mary on her side was charmed with a new friend the brother may be a care as you say but she is perfection she said incautiously to harry when he came in with a glowing countenance from his walk what good breeding what grace what charming graceful ways she has and yet always the simplicity of the pretty scotch accent and of the words which slip out now and then the children are all in raptures with little sibby fancy making a graceful name like sibyl into such a hideous diminutive but that is scotch all over they seem to take a pleasure in keeping their real refinement to the background and showing a rough countenance to the world they are all like that said lady mary who was fond of generalizations 
Harry did not say much, but he drew a chair close to the fire and sat and mused over it with sparkling eyes when his aunt went to dress for dinner. He did not feel capable of coherent thought at all. He was lost in a rapture of feeling which would not go into words. He felt that he could sit there all night long, not wishing to budge, to be still, not even thinking, existing in the mere atmosphere of the wonderful day which was now over. Would it come back again? Would it prolong itself? Would his life go into a lengthened, sweet repetition of this day? He sat there with his knees into the fire, gazing into the red depths till his eyes grew red in sympathy, until the bell for dinner began to peal through the silent winter air. Mr. Tottenham had come home and was visible at the door in the evening costume, refreshed and warmed after his drive when Harry, half-blind, rushed out to make a hasty toilet. His distracted looks made his host wonder. I hope you're not letting that boy get into mischief, he said to his wife. Mischief? What mischief could he get to here? Lady Mary replied with a smile, and then they began to talk on very much more important matters, on her heartstrong's visit and the preparations at the shop which were now complete. I expect you to show a good example and to treat my people like friends, said Mr. Tottenham. Oh, friends, am I not head shopwoman? asked Lady Mary, laughing. You may be sure I intend to appear so. The entertainment was to take place on the next evening after the botanical lecture at Harbour Green. It was indeed likely to be an exciting day with so much going on. And then the people at Tottenham went to dinner, the Murrays had tea, for which they were all quite ready after the sharp evening air. You are wrong to speak about your housekeeping and all that, the doctor said. In the mildest of accents and with no appearance of suspicion, for in the bosom of his family he feared no criticism. Remember always, Margaret, that people take you at your own estimate. It does not do to let yourself down. And it does not do to set yourself up beyond what you can support, said Margaret. We are not rich folk and we must not give ourselves airs. And oh, Charles, one thing I want to say. If you wouldn't say ladyship, at least not often. No one else seems to do it except the servants. Don't be angry. I watch always to see what people say. I hope I know what to say as well as anyone, said the doctor with momentary offence. But nevertheless, he made a private note of it, having confidence in his sister's keen observation. Altogether, the start at Harbour Green had been very successful and it was not wonderful if both Dr. Charles and his sister felt an inward exhilaration in such a prosperous commencement of their new life. The End of Chapter 7